Hi everyone and welcome to Worth the Calories, a Great British Bake Off podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Catherine. We're into week two, so biscuit week as is traditional. Uh, some interesting biscuits. Okay, can I just uh-huh. can I just ask a question? You can. You can ask one question and that's it for is the that, show. That's it. Okay, well this is my question, Matthew. In your opinion... If God is infinite and the universe <laughs> is infinite. Something far more important. <laughs> no, um, in your opinion, is a macaron a biscuit? No. I also don't think it's yeah, a biscuit. No. I think it's a sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And... Obviously, we have the difference between American biscuits and English biscuits, or British biscuits. Well, it's definitely not a scone. It's not a scone, which is effectively uh, an American biscuit. Fine. Yeah, fine. Maybe we can call it different things, different things. A macaron, it's more akin to a pastry. Or or a confectionery. Or a a patisserie, yeah. Sorry, that's what I mean, rather. Yeah. Didn't feel there was much biscuitiness about it. Macarons feel like a staple of the Bake Off, though. I, I remember, was it sort of series four, five, people started doing them and they did them as a challenge somewhere and it's it's just become the thing Bake Off has given to, to the UK. I think it was because when it first started, well, I, I genuinely opinion, an opinion rather uh-huh. than trying to say that this is a fact. Um, I feel that when they were first done on the Bake Off, everyone was like, oh, macarons, <laughs> yeah. they're really hard. And now it's like, if you can't do a macaron, go home. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. So, you know, but so so I guess you know this week with having the macarons as being illusion macarons, mm-hmm. it's kind of macarons leveled up to twelve. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Much harder. So, in, interesting ones. Some, yeah. some that we would definitely get into. We've had a couple of voice messages from one of our listeners. Yeah. So we're going to play them now, and then we will talk about them. Hi, how are you? I'm so glad you guys are back recording for this season. I have three questions for you about episode two. Can you describe what is a foot on a macaron? Do you remember a long time ago when they used to do historical segments about the bake and the origin of the bake? In this case, I just wanted a diagram. I heard Paul and Prue say many times there was a foot or there were feet on the macarons and pointing at the bottom of the macaron. I'm guessing it's something flat on the bottom, maybe with a little 45 degree angle, but I'm wondering if you know and if you could discuss that. And then question two is, when Paul was speaking to Shabira about her macarons, he said that they should be sweet and then savory and not sweet again. Do you think that is a tasting rule or just his personal preference? I hadn't heard that before, and it made me wonder why. If you know that it's a rule, if you agree with it, or if you agree with what he said or not. I'm interested to hear that. I had a lot of thoughts about communication in this episode. It stood out to me when Revs asked Yanush for advice during her macaron bake. I know bakers speak to each other and ask each other for feedback very often, but when she also asked him to hands-on help her complete her bake, it made me wonder if that was based on luck and if it was fair that by chance she had someone nearby to her that was available to help and that she felt comfortable asking. Looking at me, Sam, who had a similar time crunch issue and needed to finish piping and filling, who finished her bake with no pipework done while Rebs was able to complete her pipework 
and finish with some filling. I know in seasons past, I've definitely seen, usually later on when the bakers know each other well, a group of bakers come together and volunteer to support another baker who's obviously struggling near the end of the clock. That seemed a lot more natural and it made me wonder if there was any rule about asking for help and whether it's just based on personal choice, if you want to ask or not. And as well, when James said after the technical that he wished he could have told some of the other bakers what feathering meant, if he felt like he couldn't because it was the technical, and if that had anything to do with growing up with a different language. Good questions. They, they were. And if I'm honest, the third one, I obviously have an opinion. I always have an opinion. Um, first two, I haven't got Scoobies and I just made macaron. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was picking them up and I was having a good look and I was like don't see any feet on these what's a feet <laughs> I'm like do they have feet do they right. not have feet who knows I can tell you what a foot is on a macaron excellent I will preempt this they mentioned it a lot and I can't remember them ever mentioning it when they've done other macaron things mm. it's a little bit like a couple of years ago Paul suddenly started talking about concertinaing and, oh, yes. and cakes being concertinaed yes, yes, yes. it's a little bit like they suddenly learned a thing and and now they're trying to mention it as much as possible. It might be down to the editing. It might be down to our knowledge of it and noticing it. But it's it's, it's like when you learn a new word and then suddenly you right? hear it all around you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the foot. So it's really hard to look at a macaron as you think of a finished macaron and think right. about the foot. Because, of course, the bottom of a finished macaron is not the bottom of the bake. Ha-ha. Yeah. Okay. The middle of the macaron is technically the bottom of the bake because you take two shells stick some stuff in the middle. Yes, yes, yes. Of a, better, a better expression for that. And put two shells on the outside. The foot is the sort of crinkly baked bit that was in contact with the uh, tray when you baked right. them. And around the edges, it it, it expands. And okay. obviously the, the bit where it has that contact because the egg cooks very yes. quickly. And it can get very big. It can okay. be very small. It can be very broken. It can be not broken. It can be just a completely smooth shell. And what you want is a small, but not too small or invisible, bit of cracking and bubbling around the edge that's not broken. Okay. Is, is the technical definition <laughs> of it. It means it's been cooked, but not so much that there was too much air in it. Right. It means the mixture was not so runny that it weighed on it, that it, it had yeah. the room to expand and hold its shape and expand as it cooked. And not so big that it was too light and, okay. too, and again too much air. So I would say I had some feet and some <laughs> footless. Okay. Because there were there were some of mine, the more successful ones, looked a little bit like uh, those plastic frisbees that I used to fail to catch as a child. <laughs> Don't you mean like when when they, when they came off yeah, before yeah. I filled them with ganache? Yeah. So maybe maybe those were the too ones that air, had feet. Too much air, I think, is what oh, really? that implies. Too much mixing, and and part of the thing I think with too much mixing is it can lose its shape. So okay. when you pipe it, it spreads a bit more. Maybe. Um, there, there were, you know, it's it's effectively a meringue. It's an incredibly hard thing to do, actually, um, particularly in the home environment. So. Yeah. So yes, that is a foot. Okay, and and that is what they're looking for. They're Fair looking enough. for that bit uh, on the, on either side of the filling, effectively, when you've put the shells together. Fair enough. Mm. Interesting. Sweet, savory, sweet. Uh, I, first up, I think this is Paul's opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think the point he's making 
is that you get a sweet flavour, then you get a different flavour, but then the original sweet flavour overpowers it and comes back. I think if it was a third different flavour, he would have been impressed, whether it was sweet, whether it was savoury, whatever it was, some unami thing coming through. I think because it's the first flavour coming back and overpowering it, I think that's what he was talking about. No idea. No, I don't think it's a rule. No. If it is, we're breaking all those rules. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I wonder if it's on the back of Shabira's bake from the week before, where she was told she didn't have a hero flavour. Maybe she's gone a bit too far now. Yeah. I, did, I thought she's very brave. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, and, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Not sure I wanted to eat it, but, <laughs> but I do admire the um, I admire the braveness. But I think that's because for me, good tofu I really like. Okay. But I um, bad tofu I really don't like. So I'm a bit sort of, and I think for me the best tofu I've ever had is in Japan. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm always a bit dubious about tofu outside of Japanese cuisine. Right. That's fair. That's fair. I. I... Would love to try her satay. I bet she I makes bet. an incredibly nice satay. And it's a flavour we both like. Yeah. Oh, I bet that was tasty. And I and maybe that's the point as well, because that's such a good flavour. You don't want something else following it unless it's going to be good mm. again. And and I'm hope I'm really hopeful about what she's going to bring to the show, because this is the sort of conversation they have on Bake Off the Professionals. Yeah. About flavour on flavour on flavour and different things coming at different times. So this is you know, some high-end stuff I think she's hitting. Yeah, mm. it's interesting balancing that against um, Mason because I felt that she wasn't, you know, she wasn't bad. She was a good bake, better mm-hmm. than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt that she was sitting in terms of what, in terms of the techniques that she was bringing and the skill that she was bringing. And maybe, maybe I'm judging this because she's 18. But I felt that she sort of sat in between a normal bake-off contestant and a bake-off, a junior bake-off contestant. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I felt a little bit like it was a shame that she hadn't waited a couple of years and developed her skills a little Absolutely. bit. Um, but maybe they were looking for a whole... They had, didn't have another young'un, so maybe that, were, they were, that, that was actually what they were looking yeah. for in the selection process. Whereas, as you say, that Shabira's like, playing with flavour mm-hmm. elevates her from from a normal bake-off contestant yeah. possibly towards the sort of playing with flavor that they do in bake-off the professionals ah. and it also possible this is the impact of junior bake-off having been so consistent for several years now because it was fairly inconsistent on the bbc sometimes yeah. it was there sometimes it wasn't it was a a, a weaker spin-off mm-hmm. than i think mm-hmm. it is now i think it's like four years it's been going in it's in it's pretty much in its current guise regularly. Yeah. So she would have been thirteen, fourteen when it started, mm. um, as it is now, and might not have applied because it got her into baking. But you're absolutely right. Maybe this is slightly too early for for the techniques they're using, what they're yeah. looking for in a yeah. baker. Given this is only week two that she's left, would you accept her coming back on Bake Off fifteen, sixteen, seventeen? Well, they've had repeat contestants on Bake Off the Professionals. Mm. I'd be open to it, mm-hmm. but I I think the chances of her getting through again are slim because there must be so many people that apply. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's the thing that I would accept her coming back because of her youth, where other people who have left, less so because... They've had their chance. 
Yeah, they they should be on showing their fullest fullest selves. Yes, that might be very yeah. ungenerous of me. So no, but I mean, I don't know about you, but eighteen year old Catherine, right, is was a very different person to forty three year old Catherine. Yeah. I I must have been nineteen twenty when I, I can remember at university baking Mississippi mud pie and discovering how good it was to add coffee to a chocolate recipe and how good that made it. You know, and this is now a, fair, a, a much more normal thing to learn. So. Yeah. Hmm. You must have been so much better at cooking than me at university. <laughs> like, I think my, my one of my main university meals, certainly in the fourth, because like many years I wasn't catering for myself. Of course, but yeah, in yeah. the fourth year when we were catering for ourselves, one of the main meals I ate at university was I had those cheap packet noodles that you pour boiling water <laughs> on. Um, and, and I had found some kind of salty um, screw like salad dressing, like dry salad dressing. <laughs> like, a, And I know she, she used to eat that. Nice, nice. <laughs> it cost very little. And I could prepare it in five minutes and we're done. My housemate in the first year came to university with 60, 100 packets of those dried noodles that they'd been to. He was from Preston. They'd been to some cash and carry type, you know, bulk purchase thing. And he had all of these and he introduced me to them. And you're absolutely right. They're amazing. Really enjoyed them. They were so easy to eat. We had lots of that and lots of toast. Yeah, yeah. He might, he might have been to the Wing Yip in Manchester. That's where, that's where it, all my came possible, from. So. Yes. The third question was about helping. I think this is very much an opinion, right? What's your opinion first, Maggie? I, I'm, very, I'm glad of the question because I was going to discuss it because I shouted at the TV where he said he noticed other people doing it wrong and he didn't mention it. And that feels totally out of phase with the bake-off that we know and love. Yes, frankly, I, frankly. I thought I thought that sound, that felt very ungenerous. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you Although know, I did also think, well, why didn't the people open their eyes and see that other people were doing some very th- different? There things? is that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and frankly, those feathers were beautiful. So good on them. Yes, oh. her feathers were amazing. Who was who, 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 who's the other person that did feathers? Uh, was it Abdul? I think. Could have been Abdul. Yeah. He's less so. But, <laughs> but, I, I couldn't do them. I couldn't, I couldn't do, do them. them no, like absolutely. That, so. I think it is discouraged from asking for help i I think from interviews i've read with contestants from things we've seen like the extra slice and just just in general you know being being dipped in this show seeped in this show however you would want to say it i think they're not meant to be watching other people and asking for asking for help and advice yeah um i feel like we've even seen it once when people were pushed away or, right. or told to leave it by production crew. That right. might have been a Bake Off thing. Mm. In fact, yeah, not, not a Bake Off thing. Of course it's a Bake Off thing. A, a junior Bake Off thing. Mm. I now suddenly have a thing of... It's one of the junior bakers who said they're not allowed to ask. Okay. And that was left in the show. Anyway. So, yes, I think it's something that happens more as the show goes on, as they get used to it and they're prepared to push the rules more because if it's a choice between asking for help or going home or being told off by someone, you might as well. You know, mm. ask. But on the flip side, noticing someone's doing something and not mentioning it, I think is poor yeah. form. It's not that sort of competition. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree on noticing it and not saying something. Yeah. Um, I also think that he cannot been, have been the only person that did exactly that same thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't, so, I don't feel that it's only him. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's at fault yeah. because I mean a lot of them knew how to feather. And um, making those individual feathers with chocolate cannot have been a slow or or, or no. a noticeable process. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I'd have I'd have said, "Hey, 
I think you've got the wrong end of the stick as to what feathering is. Yeah. Um, and and I feel like we've seen this with people doing something and someone says, oh, what are you doing? Are oh, you doing that? Well, why aren't you doing this? And sort of not telling them, but hinting in the right direction. Yes. So that they click and they go, oh, yes, feathering, of course, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I would say is I don't think it particularly had an impact on the judging. No. Maybe a place or two for them. Yeah, but, but yeah. Not, not a significant no. one. And And it is only the technical. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the, um, the, the the helping thing is an interesting one because I think offering help when you are able, when you have the the, the sort of the space within your own yep. bake because you're finished in order to offer help or if you want, or if you're feeling you're next to someone and you feel that you can provide some assistance mm-hmm. is appropriate. Although... I wouldn't want someone telling me what to do at that point. I'd probably snap the head off. <laughs> um, asking for help, I don't think is appropriate. Uh, okay. Because, um, and I don't think it's necessarily around a fairness thing mm. and like, oh, actually, you, you know, you're lucky because you're next to the better baker. Um, in a general sense of the fairness thing, or at least in my opinion, it's yep. not. I think it's about the danger of your asking for someone else's time during a Mm time-pressured competition, Mm -hmm. potentially leading to that someone else who might have better skills but actually low boundaries, a a people-pleaser and wanting to assist, like negatively impacting their own chances Mm. by giving you their time before they've actually finished. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's appropriate to ask for help, but I do think it's appropriate to accept help that is freely offered. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good way to look at it, so... Yeah. And, and it'd be interesting to see who does and who doesn't and what's included. Because, again, the show's so edited. Mm. You know, it could be they're always asking for help. Mm. I feel like on the Australian Bake Off, we saw a lot of asking for help and offering help. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, that was what we enjoyed about and, that very much. And I like the, I like that sort of atmosphere. Yeah. I like the whole we're all here just to do the best we Absolutely. can and to support mm-hmm. each other. Um, and we're all super sad. You know, every, yes, it's a, it's a happy thing if you get the Star Baker, but it's it's actually... It's more sad to see one of your friends leave the tent. Absolutely. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. It always puts me in mind of on the Great British Sewing Bee, mm. that one, I think it was fairly early on, like maybe the second series, where someone helped someone else and they then got star that week and blew yes. them away with an amazing, I think it was a suit or a dress yeah. they were making. And and the person who helped, who, who sort of put them in the right direction when they were doing something wrong, was the person who left. And there was no ill feeling. It was absolutely mm. fine. But it was a bit like if they hadn't put them right, they'd be the person leaving because they were doing it fundamentally wrong at that point. Yeah. So, you know, although it's not that sort of competition, it is still a competition. And when you when you push these things to extremes or, or mm. you know, either that's the furthest extent or the millimetres between how someone performs. Absolutely. Yeah, really hard. Absolutely. Because, as we'll come to, Rebs and Mason were so close. It must have been very hard to choose between them. Yeah, absolutely. So. Great questions. Yeah, really uh, good. And I think that is a large chunk of the stuff that we wanted to talk about. So a really good station for them. If you want to ask questions as well, um, you can email us, podcast at eloquentgushing.com. You can find us on social media at eloquentgushing. Mm. And we're on SpeakPipe, these voice messages, speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing. Uh, do feel free to phone up and leave us a message. If you don't want to phone, you can, you can just record a message and email it to me have at it and just so fun to have the conversation yeah why you know (laughs) just a broader conversation absolutely right so macarons 
Yes. You made macarons. I did. Not a macaron recipe that was on the show? No, because they seem to not be doing anything other than the technical, which on one hand is disappointing. On the other hand, it leaves me means I'm free. <laughs> I'm free to do what I want. <laughs> What, so, did, yeah, what did you make? How did it go? So once again, I went to the BBC Good Food website um, and I found a macaron recipe, recipe on there. Um, they were they're supposed to be red, but they're not. Um, but basically, <laughs> they're like a, a dark chocolate and raspberry jam filled. Mm. I say simple macaron. There's nothing simple about making macarons. <laughs> now, I was a little bit trepidatious before I started this recipe because I did think... This will be an interesting experience mm-hmm. because I would like to have had the experience mm-hmm. of trying to make a macaron. But I don't think I'm going to enjoy doing this. And the main reason I thought I wasn't going to enjoy doing this is it involves piping. And I've never piped anything in my entire life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and any time I've watched you pipe or what done mm-hmm. things that... Uh, at least I don't think I have. I don't have a me- memory of okay. piping. Um, I thought, golly, that looks like a right faff. Um <laughs> And it was, <laughs> basically. Yeah, it yeah. I would say this has been not a failure, because, I mean, I've got a plate of macarons yeah, downstairs, sure. and, and the ones that survived are quite tasty. <laughs> um, I'd say it's definitely been a learning experience, because the other thing I've not really done much of, um, and also have not really had a great desire to do much of, is meringue. Mm-hmm. meringue that's always been your battle rather mm-hmm. than mine. Um, so I've battle, said... I've, good word battle. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not been smooth going, right? No, no. So I would say I've learned a few things. So rather than going through the recipe step yeah, by step... Yeah, what would you do differently? What would I do differently? Yeah. So I would not use our reusable baking sheets. Okay. I would use actual baking paper. Okay. Um, because one of the things that happened was the macarons did not... Um, part from the baking sheet right. very well, okay. and actually, I've used a, I used a variety of baking sheets across mm-hmm. the different ones, um, and the test one that I did on baking sheet okay. because I'd run out because I'd already piped everything else onto our reusable bake on that old actual parchment that came off beautifully, oh. um, and there were one or two of the baking sheets where they came off okay. There were another couple of baking sheets where. Those babies were not coming off, which right. is why we've got a bowl of um, broken macaron bits. <laughs> um, I would say that the whisking of the um, the egg white and the syrup. Mm, syrup. Syrup. So you make uh, you put some some egg whites in into the the mixing bowl, and then you make a, a syrup out of just water and granulated oh, sugar. See. Okay, fine. Yep. Um, and you boil that up, and then you pour that down the side of the mixing bowl when right. you're whisking the egg whites. So this is an Italian meringue, a Swiss meringue. It's, it's one of the continental countries meringues. <laughs> but. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, Sorry. no, no, no idea. <laughs> but what I would say is, it takes a lot longer to whisk up right. than I imagined it would do. Okay. And I think it's because I, I did some whipped cream the other week, and that whisks up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, right. So, like, so after about a minute of whisking this, I'm like, why is it not changing? Have I have I ruined it? And and um, the recipe itself didn't give you any indication of time. Mm. It just said um, it said keep whisking until the bowl is cool, but like, is not hot anymore, but is still a bit warm. Okay. Well, I was whisking, and the bowl was cold. And the things weren't happening, so I looked up on a different website, and it said actually it can it can take it will take at least sort of five minutes, more like seven to eight. Right, can be even longer depending on what you're using. It right. could be twenty minutes if you're using that chickpea juice, which okay, I was yeah, not. Yeah. No. <laughs> so that took longer than I expected, and uh-huh. possibly I could even have done with whisking it a bit more. Oh. Um, the other thing that was a learning for me was that 
I have no sense of how hard or how gentle you have to fold. So okay. basically you made a paste with the icing sugar, the ground almonds and half of the egg whites mm-hmm. and left it aside. And that was quite, it was almost a bit like marzipan-esque. It was quite mm. a hard paste and you poured the meringue mixed over and then you had to fold it in. And I think I underfolded oh, because okay. I was very nervous about overfolding. Mm-hmm. Um, either that or my folding techniques just rubbish because there were little lumps of um, little lumps of almondy mixture left right. after I started piping, and I realised I hadn't actually folded them in sufficiently. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I'm like, I need to whisk more. I need to not be so scared of folding, or maybe I need to watch some videos of people folding to see if I've got a, there's a different technique I should have used. Okay. Uh, the other thing I learned was don't feel really proud about getting all of your stuff into the piping bag if you haven't put the nozzle in the piping bag first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I was so pleased with oh. myself. Um, and then I was like, seriously, I cannot bear the idea of pulling all of this out of the bag and put it in another one. So I basically just double bagged. I put a, got a second okay, yeah, piping yeah, yeah. bag, put the nozzle in there, and then put the first bag, cut the end off and put the first bag into the second bag. What and a good way I, of doing it. Well um, so I double bagged, nice. basically. Nice. I'd have just done it out of the hole in the end. Well, get the nozzle. <laughs> so yeah, I had to, I had to pipe again, right? Because um, once you once you bake them, you make a chocolate ganache and you pipe the chocolate ganache around. Well, in theory, you pipe the chocolate <laughs> ganache around the edge of the macaron and then just put a dollop of raspberry jam right. in the middle. Oh, okay. Um, that time, I I don't think I'd properly melted all the chocolate in my ganache. Either that, or it had got too cold mm-hmm. whilst I was piping it. Because halfway through that. There was nothing else coming out of that nozzle. Oh. So that time I just cut the, the nozzle, nozzle off. off and then... um, so what you'll find is half the macarons that survived <laughs> have got delicate little bits of ganache around the outside. <laughs> the other half, there is there's probably double the amount of ganache there is to macaron shell. Oh, I look forward to them. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy those over nice. the next yeah, week. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, they weren't a disaster. Uh-huh. Uh, there's definitely significantly less finished product than there was supposed to be for the quantity of ingredients in that right. recipe because of the macarons that died. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not a Catherine type recipe. Okay, it's, it's significantly more faffy than I would like to have in my baking. Such as piping. Okay, well, okay. Just like- <laughs> I think I think I think it's the piping. The piping right. just puts me off. But then that probably means I need to do it more. But then baking's a fun thing. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not like yeah. at work where you go, oh, that skill's hard. That's a hard skill. I need to work at more. <laughs> I'm just like, well, baking's our hobby, right? It's fun. Yeah. If I don't like it doing it, maybe I won't do it. Find the thing you do like. Yeah. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Has it changed the way you think about what they've done on the show and the macarons they made? Well, quite frankly. Now, thinking back to the signature, I'm just like, you are all geniuses. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't know how you produce that. Even even those weird black blobs that Reb, Reb's produced. Yeah, yeah, the cats. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, ultimately, I think macarons, if you like macarons, mm-hmm. and I might do them again because I know how much your mum loves them, so I'd like yeah. to be able to make them properly okay. to go and get some Superstar more, go- to, to get some, some more daughter-in-law brownie <laughs> points. Um I think they are a a skill. I think they're a bake that um, benefits from repeated attempts. Got it. Um, I yeah. th- you know, anyone who's done the perfect macaron on their first attempt, I lord you, you are the baking supreme. Because <laughs> even just knowing about the baking sheets from this one attempt, next time you'd have 
I just use parchment. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. double the amount of, of macarons in the end to test and to try the next stage. Exactly. And, yeah, okay. and, and I'd... I, I, you know, I'd attempt, I'd do my meringue differently, right. and mm-hmm. I might, I might try and look for some different recipes to do the same thing again, but see if there's other guidance or yeah. other sort of quantities or things like that to try and get it. Oh, and the other thing I, I realised, sorry, I'm going on about no, my on. macarons. <laughs> um, they were supposed to be red. We didn't have any food colouring. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. All the food colouring was quite old, and uh, that went in the clear out of the cupboard pre-baking. And, and the recipe had said, um, "Don't use gel food colouring because it will muck oh, up." Oh well, that's was, what we had was, had exactly because yeah, okay. so, it will muck up the um, yeah. the consistency. Yeah. Um, and the uh, we we our online food shop does not have anything no. other than gel food colouring because so. the 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 year that I spent trying to do interesting meringues. It was adding flavours and colours that always did for me because I, I would overmix them. Yes. And suddenly, and it, it, it is that thing as as soon as one bit of the egg loses its consistency, yeah. its, its, its bindingness, there is probably a good word out there, but it's gone. Um, suddenly, it would all it, you'd just get a soup. Mm. Yeah. I did consider putting cocoa in to make them brown okay. instead of red, but then I was like, oh, do you know what? I can probably see whether they bake better or not if I leave yeah, them white. Absolutely. They're not ugly, are they? No, not at all. The ones that stayed around. They're very tasty. (laughs) Good. Yeah, I like them. I'm glad. Mm. Talking about the Bake Off, the show, uh, were there any that you particularly liked, any you were jealous of, any you've seen now that you think, wow, they did that so well? Um, The Scottish lad, what's he called? James? Maybe. Which ones? The one who did the dogs. Were they dogs? Raccoons? (laughs) Yeah, those ones. (laughs) I've had a lot of sugar. <laughs> that was my phone. <laughs> James. James. I mean, I, I do feel that James is resting very heavily on his piping skills. But those skills are strong. But he did do it very well. Yeah, yes, that, yeah. that was that's very impressive. And there is always someone who does decoration very well who, yeah. who goes okay in the show. Yes. Yeah. And um, your lady who did the yo-yos. Dawn. Dawn. Yes. Mega precise. So clever. So so the way they described it, it sounded like they wanted illusion macarons. But they just wanted decorated macarons. Yeah, or, right. or or shaped yeah, and styled. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that opening description sort of fooled me a little bit, like mm. an illusion, of what they wanted. Because then they were all just doing interestingly shaped macarons. Yeah. But the yo yo's was a ve- like of all the things it looks like, yeah. And yeah. and the precision. Like mm-hmm. they, they were very regular. Right. You know, like and, yeah, and, and yeah. they everything that was I felt that everything that she did and all the shapes that she produced were yep. intentional. Absolutely. And after having tried to pipe, pipe a, a heart-shaped macaron for you and then it just <laughs> oh, completely crumbling you. into a mess, I was like... Good on her. Good on her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Were there any of those macarons that they made in the show that you especially would have liked to eat? One of them did a mocha salted caramel thing, I think. Oh yes, was Abdul maybe one one of them definitely did something. I was like that flavour sounds really good. The one thing I wanted to add is when I was doing the the feet research, yes. the macaron foot research, there was a website writing about it that did foot shaped macarons nice. that like little baby feet. Oh. That was very cute, and I'm like, okay, that's a very good idea. Yes. So if I, if I had known about that beforehand, that's the way I probably would have gone. Yeah, yes, very cute. I, it's a good challenge. Yeah. To, to be able to tell people apart. And, and you know, like I say, this is, it feels like a staple of the Bake Off now. Mm. So it's a good way of telling it. In the same way, we'll have bread next week. And the core 
bake, the signature bake will probably be just, you know, a loaf of bread that's flavoured or shaped or something, but to tell us how you make your bread. Mm. Yeah. The technical. Gary Baldy. So, Matthew. <laughs> you did it. I did Garibaldi biscuits. Would you do it again? No. <laughs> making Garibaldi biscuits is... So, from this, we've looked at all the different things we could make over the years. And um, because, you know, it inspires you to keep trying different things. And there are things... You love a crumpet. I do love you know, a crumpet. It's your, it's your sort of breakfast and delight of choice. Breakfast of champions. So, I've looked at making crumpets... And the amount of effort and, and that you have to put into making a crumpet, given a pack of crumpets is about 80p, mm. is is far higher than is worth it for that value. Agree. For, for and, just buying them. and as much as I love you, don't know if you could make a better crumpet than Mr. Warburton. Well, exactly. They're crumpets. They're, you know, <laughs> yes. spongy, airy bits of bread. Yes. I feel the same way with Garibaldi in general, and now having made them, and I, I know what I will do differently, so I'll, I'll talk about that in a sec, but I feel like making Garibaldi's is just, it's too much. It's too much, man. <laughs> <laughs> too much, man. The biggest thing that I think I did wrong is I didn't chill it enough. It said right. 20 minutes, so I stuck it in for 20 minutes, probably about even closer to 25, yeah, yeah. but I think it was actually, because you have to knead it and, 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 and work it all together, I think that the butter was quite melted, right? And it was actually a very thin, runny. Okay. I don't know the best way to say it, yeah. but when when rolling it out, it was sticking very easily. I mean, it was very sticky dough to yes. begin with, so I actually had a bit more flour. But it was very sticky when rolling it out. It didn't come off the 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 uh, sheet very easily. The flour went into it very easily when I would because it was so sticky when I was putting flour down to roll it on. So so that was. A, a very painful process. Mm. So I didn't roll it as big as it said. I'm not entirely sure there was enough dough to actually roll it as big as they said anyway. Right. But I feel like had I had I properly chilled it and let it seal more, as it were, and, and let the butter reset set again. Yes. Um I think I think that's the biggest thing that would have improved it. Fair enough. It did taste a bit like halfway between shortbread and short crust pastry. Okay, yeah, the yeah. dough. So, yeah. so, so that that sort might, of experience. Which might be because I ended up of, having to work it a lot in yeah. the rolling. Yeah, um, it's tasty. You, you roll it out, and then you put the fruit on it. Yeah, and then you put the other half that you rolled out on top, and then you roll it out again. So Gosh. at that point, it's twenty by fifteen, and then you're supposed to roll it to twenty by twenty-five. Mm. In my head, Gary Baldy biscuits are three layers. But rolling it again compresses those layers together. Yeah. So I don't know, is it the fruit wasn't soft enough? It felt like it was soft enough. Yeah, is yeah. it there wasn't enough fruit? Well, I had fruit left over, but because I didn't roll it out as big, I, that, that sort of felt like it explained that. And then because it was so sticky and didn't roll very well, in rolling it out again, the bottom broke into two sections. Yes. <laughs> so I had to be resealed. And then it did all just smush down rather than spread. Mm. So so that that bit of the process was very frustrating and it has made some incredibly ugly biscuits. <laughs> it still tastes delicious when I close my eyes. Yeah, they still taste like Garibaldi biscuits. And now knowing what it takes <laughs> to make a Garibaldi, I would rather have a fig roll. That's how much I disdain oh, Garibaldi's right you now. You love fig rolls. <laughs> but yeah, I would say yeah, both both of those technicals, fig rolls and Garibaldi biscuits. 
you're better off just buying the yeah. the, the normal ones from the supermarket. Yeah. Sorry, Bake Off. So, uh, again, it makes the technical feel a bit, a little bit disposable um, because this is a slightly weird and daft thing to do. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's worth it for anyone to actually bake it. I, there was someone who, and I'm really sorry I don't have your name in front of me, but who commented and said maybe they were thinking... Laura? Maybe. They, they were thinking of baking them and were going to listen to the show. I would say don't. I'd say go and buy a packet of biscuits and eat them and enjoy them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then bake something you like. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't dip them in chocolate because I was over it by that point. Um, and I know there's a whole thing of whether they should be in chocolate or not. I don't gatekeep this stuff. If you want to try a recipe, I love chocolate on things, so I'm very happy to add a chocolate to something. Um, you know, if you want to add a flavour or change something, then have at it. These things don't have to stay static forever. I, don't know. I can just, I can just headcanon the um, conversation between Prue and the production staff. Come on, Prue, that's a bit easy. Let's <laughs> whack some chocolate on it. Oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> and it absolutely is a time thing. Yes, because they go in the oven and then they come out of the oven. You, you brush them with egg, egg white. Okay. Partially because the yolk goes into the batter. Right. So you've got this white left over. So it does use the white some way, but you can absolutely see there, there are a couple that I clearly brushed with a indelicate hand, not caring at this point, just wanting it done, where there is literally a streak of brush strokes <laughs> of egg that have cooked on top of them rather than like delicately spread across the thing. <laughs> it gives them a nice brown look, but that's quite fake compared to actually baking the, the, yeah. the biscuit properly. Yeah. Mm. So... We haven't practiced this question. Or, I haven't, or rather, I haven't warned you about this question. Of all the traditional biscuits that there are, <laughs> right. which one would you have rather tried instead of Garibaldi? Well, I've made bourbons before. Yes. And I love a, a, a chocolate bourbon. Yep. Do you know, I've never made a hobnob. There and given go. that chocolate hobnobs are the king of biscuits, they are S-tier, top rank, number one. They're the 2001 A Space Odyssey of biscuits, frankly. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Long and tedious. <laughs> so there we go. So hopefully 2023 in Biscuit Week, the technical might be a chocolate, chocolate hobnobs. hobnob. Oh, yeah, I do a chocolate hobnob. That would be great, go. yeah. Um. Everyone sort of achieved. They had a lot of the same problems yes. here and there um, about things. Some people knew them. Some people didn't know them. I don't think doing well or not doing well mattered too much. I enjoyed the lass who just mixed her um, fruit into the into the into the <laughs> dough without thinking. Because I'm just like, that's exactly what I do. So I'd just be like, oh, I think I know what's going on. Well, that was oh, no. that was Maxie, wasn't it? Yes. Yes who won this week, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was Ribs who won the technical, who came first on the technical, who almost went out, and yes. perhaps it was, perhaps it was, you know, we, we say it doesn't matter, perhaps it was the technical that just helped to edge it, but she did not do well in the other ones, and she did not do well last week. I, so. I don't think she's long for the competition, if I'm honest. Either that, or she'll suddenly turn a corner and be amazing, but... Struggling early on puts you in a good state for yeah. later, so maybe, maybe. Um, there was, so, so we had a number of cut-offs... You know, trying to cut off the edges. And and that's the other thing. In, in trying to slice it into the rectangles, it was really wet, so it didn't slice very well, so they were ugly as sin. But there were a load of bits cut off in the edges when I tried to make them straight. So I did scrunch them all up with the fruit and cooked it, and it was a really nice sort of biscuity, uh, uh, fruity biscuit this morning. Because it was Done. just one one large one, and I should have done that. Do you know what? Shortbread, shortbread. With fruit in. With just, like, rolled in some fruit and then cook that. Yeah, have at it. None of this, <laughs> none of this, you know, rolling and and slicing and layering and stuff. 
That was fine. Nice. Yes. We're done on the technical, aren't we? We're done. Oh, yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah. Bye bye, Gary Baldy. We shall never mention you again. Because now it's the 3D biscuit mask. Ridiculous. I'm not a fan of this sort of challenge, if I'm honest. I mean, it was interesting to see what they came up with, but yeah. again, and a little bit like last week, I think I resent it becoming the baking art show. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this one did better than last week's because there was a very clear range in what people had done mm. and how they achieved. And, and the fact that people had... It, it wasn't just the sort of quality of what they'd made. Some people had made small and simple or not tasting so good or, or really, you know, really impressive. It was then even the standing up that made a bit of a difference yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. I think challenges where it says that, where it's got to be a certain height, a certain number of layers, certain that I like. But maybe that's as a viewer because it's so tangible about whether yes. they've achieved that bit of the criteria or not. Mm. Mm. I do think I liked... Um, so I liked the ones where they use lots of biscuits mm-hmm. to make the design yeah. rather than the ones where they had one big biscuit yep. and they made the design with icing or painting on the biscuit. Yeah, yeah the couple that, that did that with lots layered on where it was lots of feathers or something like yeah. that, really good. Yeah. yeah, really impressed with them. I mean, some of them were beautiful. Mm. Beautiful, and beautiful. stood up and yes. some of them stood up just resting on an easel or something and I don't know again it's the thing that I wouldn't have taken it that way I would have been it has to have something sort of maybe propping it back but but actually be completely freestanding or mm. Mm. if you had to make a, bis- a mask out of biscuit what would you make? Can I pretend that I have the most excellent baking skills in the world? Yes I <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd want to do something that's kind of Vegas burlesque-ish. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I'd like to have... I think I'd want to do something with sugar work onto the biscuit. I mean, I know that's completely okay, going like a sort of feather... Yeah. Or think... like your, your headpiece from our wedding. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it would be... Um, Sort of chocolate and vanilla, obviously not shortbread because that would fall apart, but maybe it's like the most robust <laughs> shortbread in the world. But like chocolate and vanilla, um, so like sort of black and white sort of biscuits, yeah, like yeah. lots of them like that. Like, was it Abdul that did it with all the sort of feathers? I, I think he did, didn't yes. he? We've mentioned Abdul for, for his ideas yeah, on this, so maybe good. that's the thing to look yeah, at. Yeah, lots him. of that, but yeah. but then some, I'd do some, I'd want to do some sponge sugar, mm-hmm. big glamorous feathers. Nice. Do, uh, uh, Hella from Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Facts. Do her head, facts, head yeah. pieces. Sc- scrap, scrap Vegas burlesque. I would do Hella for Ragnarok. That's what I want to do. Kate Blanchett's <laughs> evil horns. Of... Exactly. <laughs> How about you, Matthew? What would you do? I, I think, well, this is why I'm thinking that I'd go in that sort of direction. The mask that comes to mind is Chewbacca and the lady with the Chewbacca mask. Oh, yeah, yeah, Which yeah. then leads yeah, yeah. into, which you could do with, you know, different sort of chocolatey, you know, darkness or, or not so dark as, as yes. kind of bits of fur. But that then leads me towards, like, Vader. That would be fun. And again, thinking, oh, different bits that you've then assembled do a Vader mask. You could with do bits Vader. I could do the Stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> we could have a, a mashup um, Star Wars Bake Off Comic Con type crossover show. But uh, And that's, you know, obviously we love our pop culture. I feel like there are some good pop culture masks out there. Yes. I would probably have done that. Like the chap who did the sort of Pan's Labyrinth styled, but I'm not. I'm not totally convinced how it came off. Was that James with his piping again? Possibly so. Yeah. I think it came off more because no one else did anything like that. 
and everyone else was just doing stylized masks in the vein of. But you see, I felt about that the same way as I felt about his Scottish cottage last mm-hmm. week. If he brushes that against a wall, it's all gone because yeah. it's just all just wipes off because it's all just like soft piped yeah. icing. And I think he needs Why to do you brush your biscuit against a wall. <laughs> Have you seen me carry stuff? <laughs> Like, you know, I would. I. I think. I think it's because I'm so clumsy. Right. I. I'd be very fearful of making okay. something yeah, yeah. that just brushing it wrong could completely destroy all my right. artistic effort. <laughs> there were some really good masks, though. Yeah. Um, any that we want to talk about specifically? I don't think so. I can't. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> I liked Yanish's uh, cubist sort of Picasso style mask. Oh yes, that was fun. Um, and obviously Maxie's. Um, masquerade mask beautiful and, and I think it stands out because Reb's I think went for the same sort of thing but hers was small and simple and then it's down to flavour and Maxie's very clearly oh, you know we didn't mention her earlier very clearly a great baker mm. and, and and gets the consistency and the texture and the flavour spot yeah. on so absolutely yeah it'll be an interesting one because um, she and I think was it Dawn got handshakes in the first challenge yes they did for doing really well yeah. Um and, you know, I, partially maybe because there wasn't one last week, but you do appreciate the handshakes as a... Yeah, I don't need to say anything. I'll give you a, 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 a proper credit for doing that well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I did enjoy Paul giving himself a handshake in the tent. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, a quick aside, there were a couple of times where Prue gave feedback, I think, on the signatures, and Paul didn't. And, you know, obviously they're pressed for time, so they edit it right down. I would appreciate more of that because sometimes it's the opposite way where Paul says something and Prue agrees with him. Mm. And and it's, you know, there's no difference between them. Just have one of them saying it then. Yeah, and, and I like, I like, I think that I think they've done better, certainly this last episode, and I noticed that mm-hmm. as well, at positioning it correctly as there are two judges. Yeah. There's not Paul Hollywood and whatever sidekick he happens to bring along that season. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. And, you know, Prue hasn't been doing it as long as Mary, but it's getting there. Yeah, absolutely. five years now, maybe, she's been doing it? Oh, I don't know. So. Yeah, hmm. she's she's a long-standing judge. Exactly. A good episode. Yeah. You know, don't necessarily agree with, with everything about it, um, I, but I am very pleased Maxie won. Mm. and looked very pleased with that because there were several who did very well. Although, I feel like when judging her masquerade mask yeah paul was very brusque with his comments on it mm. and and prue didn't say so much either and i think that was because she was such a clear winner if they said too much it would be so obvious yeah yeah maybe so but very so clearly pleased. she did so, so well so yeah, yeah great really good honor yeah. um and i think the three who were in danger of going home were the right ones were the right ones and i think any of them we wouldn't have been surprised at yes you know. i i was a little surprised that it wasn't rebs yeah yeah but but again we're not there in the tent we no. haven't actually tasted the bakes she did come top on the technical and she came you know, top so on the maybe technical. that helped them just you know you, you can't win the technical and go home maybe unless conspiracy you do conspiracy theory the technical actually matters well maybe maybe let's <laughs> put one in that column when one does not exist from before. yes <laughs> Was it Carol who also her mask collapsed because yes. she did the thing with Lard? Oh yeah, she was so upset. Um, and she was so upset on it. So again, yeah. maybe you know, maybe that'll teach her of like, 
okay, don't try things, just make sure you hit the brief. But also, lard. Lard. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we have no comments on the lard. <laughs> bread week. Bread week. And she'll be very pleased on you, love making some bread. I do. Now, of course, I'm away with work this next week. So, um... We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Okay, one of us will do I, something I, I, of bread. I was about to say, I think, I think um, I, I'm publicly saying, if you want to watch it without me, you can. But I will watch it again when we. <laughs> Thank but you then you have to watch much. it with me when I come back from my travels. <laughs> so, as we said before, if you do want to get in touch with us, there's all sorts of ways. Just look up Eloquent Gushing on basically any social media platform, um, or send us a message through Speakpipe. It was terrific to hear, um, mm, and we'd absolutely. love to get more in the future. Absolutely. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye.